Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings. Welcome into a new week, October 24th, 2022. It is 610 on this Monday morning, 55 degrees and cloudy, and I can tell you this, thank goodness the wind has gone down significantly from where it was about 12 hours ago, 18 hours ago, and had such a impactful, um, just just such a major impact, I should say, on what was happening in and around this area today. So yeah, uh, wind wind speeds now in the uh, 10, 11 mile an hour range, gusting up to around 20, uh, a far cry from where we were late yesterday afternoon when you were at 30, 30 plus and had gusts into the 50 mile an hour range and created quite a mess uh, in in south of Lincoln, southwest of Lincoln yesterday with grass fires, a couple of different grass fires uh, that caused people to evacuate their homes, that caused people to make plans for moving livestock and other farm animals, that caused farmers to turn on their, their irrigation systems to help firefighters to try and stop this thing that had the the Lancaster Event Center saying we're opening our doors to farm animals that don't have any place to go and um it was a, it was an incredibly significant event uh one that had to be exhausting for those who were fighting it who are working on it uh that did have uh, some injuries associated with it that did have some property damage associated with it but one that also could have been uh, even a whole lot more than it was after all of that first fire as mark reported south part of the county south and west of first uh, excuse me of firth uh moving to the north and then the uh, second fire report in the area of southwest 86th and west gauge road moving rapidly north at that one as well uh so you had those two different fires that were going on three residences destroyed uh, because of this two injuries one considered serious at this point we don't have a whole lot more uh other than that and so uh just to recap that's what we we've got from uh that was last night from the lancaster county sheriff's office mark what do you have to add to uh just what was a kind of a, a harrowing day yesterday uh, with all of this going on south of south of Lincoln, south and west of Lincoln. Yeah, that uh, I guess the only thing that uh, I could add, because you've summarized it pretty well, is that it actually uh, got underway in northern Gage County, and then, as I understand it, actually moved into the first one. So you had uh, fi- um, 18 different agencies that responded and uh, worked, uh, I, as far as I can tell, they worked through the night as they uh, continued to put out hot spots and that type of thing. Uh, one of the areas affected Norris. Uh, they are ha- uh, two hours late on their schools. Buses will only travel where they can because there are some quite a few roads that are uh, closed as uh, crews continue to move in. No condition update, as you mentioned, on the firefighters that were injured, uh, I, nor do we know which agency they were from. Uh, did confirm that at this morning's 9.30 media briefing, uh, there will be uh, a lot more information shared. Right. And there would have been numerous fire 
um, fire departments who have responded, including LFR. But uh, I mean, all, you've got, I'm sure, volunteer fireplaces from a lot of those towns uh, as well who are a part of this. So, like you said, it was a whole bunch of different agencies that were involved because you've got. Yeah, you're you're within the county. You've got county authorities. You've got city authorities from Lincoln. You've got small town uh, authorities that are out there as well. And then you've got fire fire departments. You know, county sheriffs. All these. Yeah, the state these patrol was assisting. State also, patrol. Uh, Lancaster County Engineering was out blocking off roads. They were assisting. Of course, uh, Jim David Saver, who's the Lancaster County Emergency uh, Management Director, uh, kind of the coordinator of a lot of this. Uh, his news release last night said uh, noted the evacuation center for residents uh, at Southwest High School with uh, both the Red Cross and the Salvation Army assisting. Uh, we don't know exactly where the residents, uh, the residences that were lost are located, so we'll have that okay. also at 9.30. Well, and I like, uh, I, I assume the people who had to, um, who were part of the evacuation order, like the one that we heard between, what was it, 30, 39th and 38th and 54th Street and Olive Creek and Apple Road, there had to be some residences in there. I'm yep. not sure if and when people have or will be able to go back to their residences after that, where they ended up. They did ask um, that they stay away last night. Okay, so they were still still probably out there, which how difficult is that when you you get that 2.30 on a Sunday afternoon, or when, you know, approximately, and all of a sudden you're like, you've got to get out of your home right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, what you grab your, you grab your family, you grab your pet, and... Um, I suppose anything else you can grab quickly that's of uh, of value, of sentimental or actual value to you, and and get out of there and just hope yep. uh, at that point. As I you mean, incredibly scary. Situation. As you mentioned, uh, they did ask farmers if they had center pivots to uh, get them going. Some did. Chris Lofgren was out in that area, got pictures of at least one center pivot that was operating, so that was going. He also found uh, saw we've got a picture of a farmer that was disking a fire line through some what appears to be corn stubble. Those two pictures are posted at KLIN.com just to see how residents and, and farmers and, and local uh, businesses uh, pitched in. Uh, also in that same picture with the farmer disking in his corn stubble was uh, a tractor trailer with a dozer loaded that had come into the area. And uh, the assumption is that they would use that to help uh, cut a fire line if necessary. Okay. So a lot of people uh, answered the call, if you will. And and when you say cut a fire line, what does that mean exactly? It just simply it, it, on this stubble and dry grass, they try to get it to bear dirt. So, so you just basically kind of a firewall essentially but well, uh, yeah they just they keep moving the the stubble off so that there's a, a blank area you could go in with a disc and kind of do it or some people even have used moldboard plows you know to turn the dirt over and uh, and just get ahead of it so that there's a gap of of the fuel what was it obviously the wind obviously the wind impacted this but you know there have been Wind and I suppose the general lack of precipitation that we've seen here for months yes. played into this. I mean, are those the primary well, and, uh, the primary reasons that and, something like this could have happened? Right, and and crops have uh, you know the growing season has ended. Crops are being harvested, so there's a lot of of uh, dry uh, crop residue, whether it be soybean or corn stubble, or even in some of the uh, grass that is just tinder dry because of a lack of moisture and. You know, we've had extremely hot weather the last few days, 
And, yeah. and that all exacerbated uh, the dry conditions. And then you put 50, 60 mile an hour winds and a spark, and there you go. Yeah. Um, boy, yeah, quite a day yesterday. And, and you know, Lincoln not, not, not threatened by this, but I will tell you this. You stepped outside yesterday afternoon, at least where I live, uh, in in southeast Lincoln, and you could smell it right away. It smelled like a bonfire just being outside. Yeah, I mean, the, it was wind, it was so strong. Yeah, the wind switched uh, more to the west from the from the south uh, as the evening progressed, and it got really strong. So, so there you go. Um, but yes, forecast looks uh, marked to be to be better for. Uh, you know, conditions that hopefully won't won't make this an issue today. We're only at a high of 56. Could see some rain. Saw a little bit of rain. I don't know what other part. I was out walking my dog last night at about uh, uh, 8.30, and it was just, it was weird. It was basically, it, the, the wind was howling, and I could just feel a little wetness within the wind last night. It was hard to even call it rain, even though I guess right. technically that's what it was. Well, that's part, um, that's that's part of the this extremely dry uh, air that's in in place. The rain literally will evaporate before it hits yeah, the ground. It almost felt like that. That's what was happening. Like it, I mean, between that and and the way the wind was blowing, it was just like it was just like some damp wind. Is what yep. it is the best way I can describe how it felt while I was walking my dog last night. Um, yeah, it was not the most pleasant dog walking weather, but <laughs> he was ready to go and he did not care. In fact, it made him like a wild man uh, when he saw what it was out there last night, of course. Well, just imagine all of the uh, smells that he was able to pick up. Probably. Yeah, I'm sure that was an ad- adventure for him as well. Um, yeah, precip- there, we do have uh, uh, you know a small 18% chance uh, the latest run through the hour by hour for the national weather forecast of a little bit of precipitation here this morning. Um, you know, count me as skeptical uh, about whether that happens. Actually, they've got us. Actually, I've got it updated now. They've got us updated. They've got us up to like a 22% chance um, early mid afternoon as well. So that means that there's a 22% chance that it will happen somewhere in the area. Yeah, I'll, not necessarily. I will. Uh, I will believe that when I see it. Mark is yeah. kind of where I'm at on on rainfall these days. But as I said, wind speeds in the single digits, uh, which is 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 going to be important. And and highs in the the cold front has come through. Safe to say. Yes, the weather has significantly changed from when you went to bed uh, last night, and uh, now Lincoln is kind of settling into um, for less important reasons, but just kind of settling into a comfortable fall-like pattern now, where we're going to see 60s, uh, maybe low 70s for the next week and a half as your highs, where we're going to see lows that are still above freezing uh, for most of the time as well. God, Mark, this has been an absolutely chaotic fall weather-wise. Well, it's, it's been crazy. I mean, it's yeah. chaos. Yeah. The the uh, the ups and downs of weather and wind, it's, it's really something. But re- recall that this really got started, you know, this huge extremes last December. And what was it, December 15th, when we had that big uh, system go through? All those tornadoes. Oh, that's right. That yeah. was the... And, yeah, when and, we, the tornadoes in December, I forgot. That was December 15th? My goodness. I believe it was. And, and we had that thing go through Iowa that created some of the derecho. Yeah, and, that's and, right. I mean, you know, we've we seems as though these cold fronts have been... Almost uh, just a calendar year of a, yeah. just a, a weird year. And, so. and by the way, just 
noting next chance, although it's still small chance of precip is Thursday into Thursday night. I think we're up around 40, 50 percent. So that'd you know, be we, nice. Yeah, 40, 44. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, I'm looking at the wrong thing here. But yes. Actually, actually, my map, uh, my uh, I was looking at the National Weather Service, but uh, my computer here gives me more like a forty to fifty percent chance of rain uh, during the during the day yep. today. So, again, that'd be great. We'll I'll believe it. it when I see it. Yeah. Did, did Rusty go through and explain all of the weather predictions and, and how all of that works on Jack Mitchell? Podcast? Uh, a little bit. Some some of that. I mean, not not specific to what is happening today. I wanted him to get into all of it. We did talk about why snow, why so meteorologists are so often inaccurate on snow. Um, so that was, and how much it stresses him out. <laughs> oh, especially uh, the wild, wild expectation or forecast from some of these internet. Yeah, he talked about that too. We got into a whole lot of stuff with Rusty on my podcast. You, yeah, I think you guys will really enjoy and that. And the dome. And the dome. And his, his <laughs> and the thing I learned that he was an electrician in Fremont for like that three years. That was cool to hear about before that. Before he even went into uh, the, the, the TV weather world. So that was crazy. Also good if I have any electrical issues. <laughs> uh, now, is, is he going to seek you out for attorney I, I, issues? Uh, yeah, well, it's, see, it's... Uh, I, I guess so. Maybe it's a little different. Like if I just need a light switch, like fixed or something, uh, he he doesn't need a license. But if I'm going to really help him with anything, I'm have to make my license active. So I think I'm in a good place here <laughs> in terms of getting the most out of him without him getting the most out of yeah me. Exactly. So, so once again, building the perfect neighborhood. Yes. What do your neighbors have that you need? I lo- I forgot that was one of our best questions ever. <laughs> Design the perfect neighbors in terms of their skills and possessions. <laughs> we got one. We got not one neighbor with a big truck. We got one neighbor with a boat. One with a pool. One with a pool. Got to yeah. have a trampoline somewhere. Yep. We got one who's like a master griller smoker uh, who always has too much food. Someone who's basically a landscaper. Yep. Yes. That's got, right. Got what? a car- carpenter or contractor in there. <laughs> what, yeah, that that'd be good too. One with a, a seventeen year old kid that always needs to make a little bit of money, but doesn't cost too much to do things. You forgot the most important one. What's that? You got to have a doc in the neighborhood. A doctor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If, yeah. That's right. If you're if you're close enough with them, design your. Well, having the doctor like that that's a good thing. When I was, I don't know, fourteen, fifteen. I cut my wrist. Uh, one of our mirrors in our bathroom broke, and I got, I still have the scar for it. But a nurse who was the mom of the girl in the class ahead of me lived a block away. Yeah. We walked down to her house, and she stitched it up. That's true. Like a, a nurse actually would probably be the thing that I would want. Yeah, a nurse or an EMT. Yeah, or an EMT. Yep. Find this neighborhood. It sounds delightful. Got to have the uh, someone in the neighborhood who's got a daughter in high school who can babysit all the other kids. Yeah, that's that's good. And is also cute. Getting weird. <laughs> well, if you've got kids. Oh yeah. Uh, Speaking, of, somebody who works for like a beer distributor. Ooh, I don't know. He just right. always I mean, has like yeah. free stuff coming home. They got a big garage fridge out there. <laughs> really getting detailed. Somebody with a projector who projects games on the garage. Hey, you have a spot in this neighborhood. Uh, yeah, I'm wanted. <laughs> Not for any of those other things, though. You mentioned trampolines. Yeah. Did they tell you yeah. I swapped our bed for a trampoline? <laughs> no. <laughs> the wife hit the roof. <laughs> 625. <laughs> 
All right, we got uh, sports coming up. We got a new week of fantasy Oscars, sound off, and uh, and more. We'll take a break. Tell NK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com to get today's top local and Husker news sent straight to your email. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. But first, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right. Well, I, you know... <laughs> I did my job last week. You know what my job is? To keep people interested in fantasy Huskers. That's one of the parts of my jobs. <laughs> and after Tennessee was off the board, playing UT Martin. By the way, UT Martin beat Miami earlier this year. Right. From, from what I understand. So And Ohio State ended up not being that bad of a pick. And yeah. And so, uh, but, it, you know, Tennessee went first last week. And I kept saying all week, I don't know, guys. I think there's a lot of games out there. I think Tennessee might, you know, kind of call off the dogs and be like a 38 0 type game. And it was not. They did call off the dogs. They uh, intentionally missed an extra point. Did they? I don't know if it was. Oh, they missed one. I know they missed one. I thought they were rigging fantasy Huskers when they did that. Uh, but nonetheless, Tennessee Cruz, they got 65 points. Uh, and so our first picker yesterday who picked them did get it. Uh, Congratulations to Jeff. Jeff, you win the uh, prize pack from Valentino's uh, and the Alumni Hall. Uh, who? Which Was it Ohio State that got second? Or yeah. Jeez. It was right there. Yeah, you had to factor in when you thought about that. You had to factor in turnovers and and pick sixes and those sorts of things, as well. It wasn't just the Iowa. No, I'm I'm not kidding. Iowa punts on uh, first down every time that game. That is 100 percent a closer game. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it is 100 percent a closer game. And yeah. here's the thing: if realistically, Ohio State could have also just. At one point in the game, just said they were going to do um, like you would against the Mud Dogs in the Bourbon Bowl. You just kneel out all three and then punt so that their defense can't affect the game at all. Yeah, you just give it back to their offense. Let them make a mistake. Jeez, Iowa fans calling for a quarterback uh, change. An immediate fumbles a snap. Fumbles a snap and then Next throws a pick. Throws a pick and it's like, oh. it was, I, I'm not gonna lie. It was some good TV. Pretty great. It was. It was some good. <laughs> TV. Uh, all right, so that means we get to go, we have to get to a new week. So uh, first of all, I'll tell you our new topic this week uh, is going to be how many yards does Illinois get rushing the ball? Net yards rushing, Net rushing for yards. Illinois. So how does the defense hold up? This is going to be this is going to be a big focus of the game this year. Brett Bielema, Illinois, they like to to run the ball. They got a very solid running backs what Nebraska is going to be keying on here. 
in this game, and and maybe some might say this is the key to the entire game for Nebraska and Illinois. So how many yards does Illinois rush for against Nebraska? We're going to need a guess from you on that. But to get that guess, to get that pick, you've got to first text us in the keyword for pick number one, uh, and that is... Illinois. Illinois. I-L-L-I-N-O-I-S. So send that in to the Rickstown Recognition text line. Text it in, 402-479-1400, and we're going to pick one of the people this time around who uh, who sends the keyword in for pick number one. Do it again at 810. Do it again at 635 and 810 every day after that. And uh, we might text you back, tell you one, and told me, hey, you got to tell us how many yards Nebraska gives up rushing-wise to Notre Dame. Um, excuse me, Notre Dame. I don't know where that came from. What? Illinois. I have no, like I said, I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> but I corrected myself immediately. No, so that's I good. I don't think we need to dwell on it. I did a weird thing. It never happened. Stat, by the way, statistically, Illinois this year, uh, rushing yards per game, uh, 198.9. 198.9. Okay. So that's kind of the baseline there. Um, where where you can you can find them this year. Uh, so there you go. Text it into 402-479-1400. The word is Illinois. We'll do another one at 810. Uh, all right. Sound off time. Uh, where shall we start today? Ah, uh, yes. Let's get the political crap out of the way first. Uh, Trump has been subpoenaed by the January 6th committee. They have given him a deadline to respond Will he respond? Could this could this actually happen? No, right? Right? I don't think so. Maybe. Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney of Wyoming says, should former President Trump appear before the committee, it will respect him, but seek the truth. It may take multiple days, uh, and it will be done with uh, a level of rigor and discipline and seriousness that it deserves. Should the former president opt not to comply, Congresswoman Cheney says there are many, many alternatives at the committee's disposal. Former President Trump has until mid-November to inform the panel of his decision. Grinnell Scott, Fox News. Yeah, it's I, I don't I, I don't know why I was trying to build excitement like it might happen. It's definitely not happening. No, it is definitely. Although, man, I would love to see. I would just love to see on one of these things uh, just the actual the actual Q and A on some of these things and responses where Trump is very confident that he, you know, did not run afoul of any law or any norm or any of these things. I would love to actually see the back and forth, the questioning, the answers, the explanations. It feels like we're never going to actually see any of that, but it would be interesting to actually, you know, uh, actually see the whole thing. Uh, All right, moving on. So what's going to happen? What's the Eighth Circuit going to do if you're somebody who is either waiting for the student debt cancellation program that is supposed to happen in early 2023, or if you're one of the people who is vehemently opposed to it, it's all up in the air right now, because on Thursday, you had a district court rule that the states that came in and made their argument did not have standing. They did not have the legal term of standing hmm. to uh, to seek relief in this situation. The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals got a hold of the case next, and they said, hold everything, hold everything. (laughs) 
We need to take a look at this issue, but the first thing we need to do is give a stay on this so that they don't go forward with paying out any of these loans, which I don't think they were going to do until 2023. So that probably wasn't going to happen anyway. Meanwhile, the government can still go through the process, which they are, of having people sign up for this whole thing, fill out the the website that they've got on this. They just can't disperse any right. money. Uh, but again, I was going to say, I can't go back and unsign up. Right, but this shouldn't this shouldn't take too long. And now the Eighth Circuit is going to tackle this issue of standing. The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals has granted an emergency stay, blocking the president's plan, but only until the court can make its final decision. The White House wasted no time issuing a statement about this, writing, "Quote: Tonight's temporary order does not prevent borrowers from applying for student debt relief at studentaid.gov, and we encourage eligible borrowers to join the nearly 22 million Americans whose information the Department of Education." already has. Now, this federal court response was prompted by a lawsuit brought by six states, one that had been dismissed a day prior by a lower court. It ruled that the states had lacked standing there. All right. So, the, I mean, there's like been nothing on the merits of the Eighth Circuit has decided yet. It's just simply saying, hey, we just, we if we're going to look at this temporary injunction, we can't have this thing go any further while we're waiting to do that. Essentially, what the ruling is. Although I wouldn't be surprised if the Eighth Circuit comes in and says, uh, "No, they're standing here," but that doesn't necessarily mean that the states win. That essentially means that they are able to go forward with this suit. Uh, all right, um, let's get into some other things. Uh, oh, yeah. So we're we're coming to the end of uh, the time where um, COVID prices are going to be paid for. Or excuse me, COVID vaccines are going to be paid for by the federal government. And so it it may be more like another vaccine or another prescription that you've got where you're either paying for it out of pocket or you're looking to see if your health insurance, private health insurance or or Medicare or something like that is going to pay for it. Uh, if it's not, uh, the price tag might price tag might surprise you a little bit. Pfizer said last year it was charging the federal government $19.50 per dose for its COVID vaccine. When the government phases out its program of buying the shots, Pfizer says it'll charge individuals $110 to $130 a Ooh. dose. A company executive said the price includes increased costs for distribution and switching to single-dose vials. The drug maker said it expects people with private insurance or those on Medicare or Medicaid to pay nothing. The COVID vaccine was the company's biggest moneymaker last year, producing nearly $37 billion in revenue. Jill Nato, Fox News. Yeah, all right, well, that might change, I mean... That'll definitely change uninsured people's interest in getting these vaccines. Right, for sure. I mean, 130 bucks, jeez. Uh, now, I would assume there's some sort of coverage from most, most health plans that go along with it. But on the other hand, I, I, I couldn't believe this. I went in to get my flu shot. Um, uh, when was it? This la- it was just last weekend or two weeks ago? I can't even remember. It was with it was. I remember you talking about it in the last couple of weeks. So I was going to get it. I went and got it. I just scheduled it at a pharmacy and... I've done this every year. I was I, got, I did this every year before vaccines were controversial. Um, <laughs> and so I, I went in to do that, and I don't think I've ever paid for it. They run my insurance, and they're like, yeah, they only pay for 50% of this. I'm like, oh, really? They're like, that's weird. That's never, that has never happened. Mm-hmm. And so I'm there, and I already have the appointment and everything. I was like, well, what is it? And they're like, well, it's 30 bucks. I'm like, Really? Yeah. So I so I paid it like begrudgingly, mm-hmm. but 
I don't know what happened. I have no idea what would, what could have happened well, with that. If it was a mistake, or and it depends on where you go. Uh, yeah, maybe or that not was you have it. to have the copay. Maybe that was it then, because I just went to I went to a Walgreens. See, that's got a, it done. Apparently, not shouldn't do that. Ours doesn't work at Wal like at Walgreens. Why? We I don't know. I I don't know the difference. I just know that whenever I've gone to like a Walgreens or a Walgreens type pharmacy, our insurance through the company does not work that same way was, as if we went to a clinic. That was annoying. That was annoying. That surprised me. And that's so. the thing that annoys me about insurance overall is that I'm going and getting the same thing just at a different place. Why do the rules not yeah. apply across the board? Um, all right. Hey, uh, if you are so like, uh, we got a bunch of, we got a bunch of, uh, fall decor at our house. My wife does an amazing job of decorating the inside and outside of our house seasonally. Very good. But a couple of things, if you put out outside, especially if you've got pets, and now I'm I'm a pet guy, big dog guy, throwing out dog tips for everyone these days. Uh, if your family is way into mums, uh, then you might want to watch out uh, that your dog isn't putting them in his or her mouth. Those beautiful mums you see all over, the ASPCA says they are toxic to dogs, cats, and horses. If your animal eats them, you may see vomiting, diarrhea, and dermatitis. Red maple leaves are dangerous for horses. They may get anemia, have difficulty breathing, and could even die. Then there are seeds from ginkgo trees. They can cause seizures and stomach upset in your pets. Super. Perfectly safe plants growing this fall? Pansies, asters, and fountain grass. And Halloween pumpkins are safe, but because of their high fiber content, you're going to want to limit how much Fido, Fluffy, or Silver actually eat. Jill Nato, Fox Whatever. News. He's eating everything in any, <laughs> he's putting everything in his mouth, anywhere near him, immediately in his mouth. <laughs> oh, God. When does that stop, Caleb? Does it stop? Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. Everything inside, outside, everything, uh, paper, inanimate objects, food, not food, uh, except for the actual chew toys that we bought him. It's just, oh my goodness. Have you done the thing yet where you're like, you'll have like a chip or a pretzel in your mouth and let him take it? Uh, no, cause it's adorable. That sounds terrible. We're in, we're in uh, manners. We have a uh, manner school every weekend now, Ooh. so hopefully that's going to help. Ooh, all right. He's one of the better ones in the class, which is very disturbing. Well, that that's what, <laughs> isn't that just the truth with like your own kids? You're like, you guys are just absolute, you are horrendous. Yeah. You guys have grown up in the stone age and then you get to like school or something. You're like, you guys aren't so bad. <laughs> you guys are not doing so bad. Uh... Let's see what else do we have? Oh yeah, this is an interesting one. Uh, so you ever bought you ever bought pasta at the grocery store and and you're like, ooh, this uh, it's got an Italian flag on it. This must be the real deal, huh? I'm gonna be the real. I'm gonna make some Italian pasta tonight. Uh -oh. Probably flown in directly from from Florence or something like they that. They harvested and, it from directly from exactly, Italian pasta, right? Trees. Exactly from the wheat fields. Uh, <laughs> The the wheat fields right by the winery, and it's just a 
Actually, maybe it was made in Iowa, and that might make you really mad. Matthew Sinatra of San Francisco and Jessica Prost of Los Angeles want to represent a nationwide class action lawsuit against Barilla America, saying the company's been misleading consumers into thinking their products are made in Italy. Both plaintiffs in the case say they wouldn't have bought the products had they known the pastas were made in Iowa and New York. They argue authentic Italian products hold a certain prestige. Barilla's headquartered in Italy, and they're using the same machines to make pasta in Iowa as they do in Italy. The company filed a motion to dismiss, but a judge said the suit can go forward. Jill Nato, Fox News. Matthew Sinatra? You might have a case. <laughs> Seems like the right name. Seems like a guy who's going to know his Italian pasta. Um, Today is a, a day to celebrate a piece of clothing that it's done an amazing about face multiple times in terms of its popularity from being very cool when they first came out to being like the worst, most embarrassing thing to wear to now coming back and once again being cool among the younger generations. Is it Crocs? You got it. Nice. Crocs is turning 20 years old, and it's marking the milestone with a new shoe. To celebrate, Crocs has unveiled its Echo Clog, which comes in gold and cream, complete with adjustable heel straps, and runs about $70 a pair. Crocs' first design was called The Beach and launched in 2002, fittingly at the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show. Since then, more than 300 million pairs of Crocs have been sold. The company is also known for its collaborations with everyone from Post Malone, Bad Bunny, and Luke Combs to brands like 7-Eleven, KFC, Balenciaga, and Disney with its Nightmare Before Christmas clog. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. I don't know who rescued their brand, but sometime in that 2003 to 2022 period, probably about 12 years ago, 8 years ago, those things bottomed out in terms of coolness. They were a punchline of jokes. They were the... uh, they were the nickelback of shoes for a while and and i don't and then i remember a few years ago i'm at one of my son's basketball games and i i uh high school basketball games and i look at some of the older basketball players who are there and they're walking in you know with their bags before their game and they're all wearing crocs and i'm like high school kids are wearing crocs again i thought these were the like the dorkiest possible thing you could wear you know what happened their parents all got them as kids. Yes, which I got my... Uh, Johnny had a yep. pair. They yes. all got them because they were comfortable. They were something that you could you could adjust. Because you know you, how nice it is not to have ties on the yes. shoes that you give your kids. So you do Easy that, to get on and, and then off. those kids don't have that preconceived notion of, this isn't cool. You're probably right. That's actually a really good theory because... Both because my, my son, my son had, and he had the ones. He's gonna make, be so mad at me, but he had the little charms that you could buy and oh, put in the nice. holes, like a baseball and a a football and stuff, and trick them out. Yeah, you're but probably I, right. When they came, so they came out in twenty two. What do you say? Oh two or oh three? Yeah, because they're turning twenty, which they were hot at that time for a while. Here's the thing: I was like twelve, eleven, twelve, thirteen, all in that area. They, you never they, got them. They probably. were just not cool. Like I, I was in middle school, junior high, and right. they were just not cool because I wasn't young enough. My youngest sister, though, who just graduated college, I bet she's had like a dozen pairs of Crocs. Yeah. Well, my she, son was born in '04, so he had. She was born had, in '99. Yeah. So she was young enough when they came out that it was like, okay, this isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. And I would just look at her. And, and now go, those, those kids grew dumb. up and made them cool again. Yeah.
It's a it's the best theory I've heard on how a I don't think there's ever been a product I can think of that have slid that wildly in and out of coolness more than once like they have. Well, they just had to get past the generation of teenagers and and 20-year-olds that were like those are stupid so that parents could buy them for kids and parents right. are going to be like we definitely need these because we're not dealing right. with ties. The millennials made them stupid, I think. Yeah, I think yeah, the millennials Yeah, you, you hit perfect where our generation yes. for for, and one, then the for Z's, a single generation the Z's did not repopularized like them. them. Yes. yes, I think that's what happened. Well, good for them because they can't get a single generation collaboration question. <laughs> At right? least they did Give them one. <laughs> All right, 656. <laughs> Take a break. It's that's your sound off. It's LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Urologist Malcolm Byron. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, just got handed uh, this note. Uh, Mark should have more. Firth Fire responding to a vegetation fire a half mile east of South 38th and First Road. Firth Road, excuse me. A new South one 30- this morning? A new one, evidently. Oh. So at 710, we're going to get more into this. We'll get the, the very latest on this, but you hoped... That was kind of the end of it with the wind dying down uh, yesterday and things getting under control yeah. last night. Hopefully this is something that is going to be short-lived, but we are following that now this morning. Once again, another vegetation fire uh, south of the Lincoln area. It is 7 o'clock on KLI and Lincoln. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, first of all, just a quick update on, on something we passed along here before the top of the hour. I know uh, Mark had had a report, a report uh, that was uh, from Pulse Point that a vegetation fire had been called in at South 38th Street and Firth Road uh, that now is listed as being closed. Uh, so hopefully that was something that was uh, just minor, but uh, call at 633, closed at 658 this morning, according to Pulse Point, just a little bit later. So uh, hopefully nothing significant there. And again, the wind is is much down from where it was yesterday during the afternoon and really well into the overnight hours as well with gusts in the, the 50s, uh, sustained wind speeds, 20s, 30s. Uh, we're going to stay right around 10 miles an hour now uh, throughout the course of the day, actually decreasing as we get into the afternoon hours, uh, maybe even get some rain in there as well. So a lot more favorable weather conditions after yesterday. But uh, bringing in Chris Lofgren, time server traffic in right now. He was uh, out and about yesterday grabbing some pictures and checking out uh, the entire situation with these fires that were uh, becoming a real issue yesterday south and southwest of Lancaster County. Chris, tell me about where you were yesterday and what you saw. Well, I started out, I went down uh, south 14th to Sotillo because you could see some smoke south of that area. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to Sotillo, you could see this huge plume of smoke off to the southwest from that area. Mm-hmm. So that was the second fire. Mm-hmm. And so I just started kind of traveling towards that area, being conscious to try to stay upwind because I didn't want that fire coming towards me mm-hmm. if I got into the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, the interesting thing that I found was it was so big that it was farther away than you thought. You oh, okay. thought you were going to catch up to it pretty quick, mm-hmm. but it was still quite a ways out there. So I think a credit to our county officials and stuff like that gave us a, a early heads up 
that this could turn into something pretty nasty. So the one that you're saying you would have seen would have been the the more Western Moor one, yes. not the one that they were talking about necessarily was Olive Creek and 38 right. to 54th. This was more Southwest. It was. Of, yes, of that the area. The photo that I have that's I think Mark put on the website is at about Southwest 38th and okay. Bennett Road. Yeah. Which, when you think about it, that's quite a ways west of Highway 77 already. Right. But I was still... A, pretty good distance away from it mm-hmm. and then i started going well i ended up coming out on what is it highway 39 that goes to crete yeah i came out <laughs> on on highway 39 i go wow i'm almost to crete right so it was it was between me at that point and crete okay so it was, so it was quite a ways out there quite there, a ways out there at, at that point yes um just, well, i mean what were how smoky was the sky at that point just everywhere around you give us a little I, bit of the i was the in scene. some smoke but it wasn't terrible but you know like a campfire you've heard a lot of references mm-hmm. to the campfire i mean you could smell. smell it at my house you could. easily yeah. we, in fact last night i was laying on the couch and my wife said she was like i can still smell you yeah just because i had taken the dog out for a walk and yeah. she could still smell the smoke well, on my clothes i cautioned my family because i had just taken off and, and i had some family coming into town we were going to do a little barbecue and some of that kind of stuff and i was out and i'd get out in and out of my truck and Sure enough, you know, I, I smelled like a campfire as well. <laughs> but uh, then I went on down and then back over towards Olive Creek Road, South 34th. Okay, so to that other fire area. Second fire, and that's where you see the tractor. He had just gotten out to uh, disc around his property uh, to try to stop anything that might come close. He was He was ahead of it quite a ways. And then there was another photo that I took of a of a homestead. Yeah, that this one, one has uh, the center privets. Uh, yeah, actually, I came down the road from the north to the south, and my windshield got wet because I couldn't see the center pivot ish- initially. And I got, "Where's that water coming from?" And then I got past the home, and sure enough, they had the center pivot next to their house. So they had a way up there. The wind was blowing from the south to north, so it was blowing water onto the the farmstead property and that kind of stuff Okay, to try to keep it going. And uh, Mark had mentioned that the county did request people that had sitter pivots to turn them on wherever they are. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, I saw several of those were out there running in a corn stubble field. Well, that's what I was going to say. Most the of these irony. fields are obviously harvested corn at this point yep. and just, you know, the remnants of, of after right. the harvest at this point. They haven't been rained on except exactly. for little doses really since, that I mean, was, July. I mean, that was the fuel for the fire. Right. So all these open fields. You had like these that. open fields that were dry as could be because there's been so little rain for I mean, literally three months. Yeah. I mean, you yep. you could almost say. Yep. Then you add the wind to it. You add the warmth to it. Yeah. Um. You could you could kind of see just exactly just, with that with that wind just pushing it that it way. It did. It did. It just moved it right along, and there was very few things you could do. There's another in that same photos. The I caught the side of a semi trailer flatbed with a bulldozer on it, mm-hmm. and they were. Like the farmer was disking around his property, that bulldozer was just waiting for, where do you want me first? Um, and would 
just plow. So the idea is you're uh, just plowing out all the flammable stuff, yep. essentially, and making a bit of a like a, a ditch break. that's a firewall? Yeah. A, yeah. a, a fire ditch in some keep ways? It, keep it from... It, they wouldn't necessarily go so deep, yeah. but they would just I clear it. it out so that you had a blank space. So it's just dirt. So hopefully the fire wouldn't... But they Man, who knows? It would have to make it a little wide because it's going to jump in some ways. It did. It jumped roads. Yeah. It was going over roads in, in that area, so... You know, uh, a lot of credit to all those folks. I talked to a family. Their farmstead was right there. It was close to that one. Um, and they they had been out and doing that fire break work as well and then helping other people. And a lot of people came together. It was really pretty impressive. Did you see a ton of, I mean, did you see um, county sheriff's cars, fire trucks, volunteer fire uh, yep. type vehicles yep. out while, out and, and about while you were out there. They were all continually, <laughs> excuse me, continually checking areas, and they would go up and down, and then you'd see even farmers and landowners that were perched in an area with field glasses, so they could kind of give a report of what they were seeing yeah. and where it might be advancing more than another area. And some of that kind of stuff. So there were there were watch people, there were firefighters, and then just farm owners that were doing what they could. At about four thirty or five, the Lancaster Event Center put out a tweet, and they said, "If you've got displaced farm animals, you need a place for you can bring them here." And that was when I said, "Oh my gosh, yeah, this thing! Was... If they're if they're doing that at this point, number one, a lot of these places, I don't you you don't you just don't necessarily have the transportation equipment to right. transport yeah. the amount of you got maybe one truck right or maybe a yeah. couple of trailers, yep. but yeah, the entire thing. And geez. I think those that weren't threatened by the fire came in with their equipment to help people transport out. That's that true. Kind of yeah, as so, many as you can get yeah. at that point. But, that's that's the nature. But of, trying of to farms. do that with not only a family, not only probably trying. I mean, you imagine you get that call or you see that at two thirty in the afternoon. You got to get out of your house. Yep. Okay. That's scary. You get your family. You get your pets. If you've got farm animals, that's a concern. Yep. And then, like, are you grabbing other? Like, yeah. What are you doing? Like, are you fine? Are you grabbing your jewelry box? Like, I probably want, uh, you're your safe. Photos, I don't know what it whatever is. Whatever you can do, you grab what, um, what you what's portable enough. But it, but it was a quick turnaround. They had yeah. to move fast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, un, unbelievable, unbelievable situation there. And I, I think thanks to the. You know, it was great to see that noted about, I think, about 7 o'clock where they kind of said things are under control We're right under now. Control. So it yep. was probably about, I mean, you had about six, seven hours there yep. where things were going and you yep. couldn't have said it was in control no, yet at that point. it was kind of scary just because it was unpredictable what was going to catch. And, you know, some material would catch fire faster than others. Oh, some wooded areas and stuff like that. Sure. Boom! You know, it's just an explosion. Almost. Yeah, if you've got some and some trees, and we got and you got leaves off. everywhere. I'm yep. assuming. Yeah, I mean, just look anywhere right now after yesterday with those winds going through. Yeah. Any trees that did have leaves, you yeah. know, they're really yeah. all over the place. So, all right. Well, Chris, we yeah. appreciate your coverage on Absolutely. that yesterday. I appreciate yeah. you getting that perspective and photography for our stories. Absolutely, as well. And uh, looks like. You know, for the time being, hopefully uh, that's the you know you kind. I mean, you're still waiting for the sun, sun comes up so late now these days yeah. that you're still kind of waiting. I'm sure this What's morning to stuff. see yeah. to to get a good idea for the first time yep. on exactly when you're not in an emergency situation to see exactly what kind of damage yeah. there is. I know there were a few structures. 
Yep. I honestly can't believe there weren't more structures I, that I were impacted. I think we're pretty lucky in that arena. Um, but you're Absolutely. looking at that, and then and then these fields and any other any other areas too. And everybody continue an to use caution with uh, any any fire type uh, activity. You just we don't want to be doing that yeah. right now. Yeah, even, uh, need... even though the wind's down, it is so dry. Oh my That's gosh, it's ridi- my lawn is just like yeah. a desert. It's yeah. just. It's, it's ridiculous. At some point, we got to be getting a bunch of rain, it feels like. Yep. All right. Thank you, Chris Lopker. There you go. Time saver traffic with uh, extra weekend coverage uh, from the the fire situation that was going on and impacting a lot of our listening area yesterday. Uh, all right. It's 723. We're going to grab a break right now. Uh, glad to report 53 degrees right now in the capital city. Wind only at 11 miles an hour. So Good. that helps. Now let's, ja- now let's just add a little bit of a gully washer into the mix, shall we? That'd be good, too. All right, 723. We'll take a break. It's today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. I like the local news because it doesn't get into all these politics. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. All right, let's count things down. It is the five things you're going to be talking about today, so let's get it going with... Number five. Wildfires yesterday injured one firefighter seriously. Another one had minor injuries. 18 agencies responded to the fires in Northern Gage and Southern Lancaster County. There were three residences lost in the fire. Uh, Displaced residents were asked not to go back into the area last night. Uh, Lancaster County Sheriff's Office uh, reports farmers were asked to turn on their center pivot irrigation systems even to help battle the blaze. Lincoln Southwest High, the evacuation center. um, Norris School starting two hours late. And uh, the first... Uh, fire department has been called out twice this morning for small vegetation fires in that area. Man, this was, uh, you needed a full team effort of kind of otherwise disparate parts to get this thing under control as they did uh, into yesterday evening, giving the the, uh, the the weather conditions that you were dealing with here and just the reality of what, you know, what what these areas look like after harvest without hardly any rain over the course of an extended period of time and then those weather conditions as i said to boot it's it's a combination mark of you know law enforcement entities from from sheriff's office uh, from a couple of counties from state patrol to obviously fire departments not only from lincoln but you've got a lot of volunteer fire departments from smaller towns around there in the area and then you've got a, a lot of the homeowners and farmers themselves in this area who are doing things like not only using their own irrigation systems to try and slow things down a little bit but like you said uh, either disking some areas or as, as you and chris pointed out uh, getting uh, some kind of bulldozing equipment and just tearing off that top level of the stubble of the corn there so uh it's kind of a, a firewall uh, essentially, to get rid of that stuff over the course of the top, all of those things combined and and working together were uh, necessary. I think really for this to become uh, to keep this from becoming something that could have been even more devastating, especially in terms of property loss. 
uh, that could have right. could have gone gone along with this, right. and, and, and farm farm animal loss and those sorts of things. Well, no one really realizes how fast these things travel. You know, fires like that can almost set up their own weather systems. But when they're being fueled, not only by the dry vegetation, but winds 30, 40, gusting over fifty. Right. Uh, these things can travel long distances very, very quickly. So you got to work out ahead, and that's where uh, local residents, farmers, and, and all of that, it all helps make a difference. Uh, but very difficult once these things get started in those kinds of conditions to get them under control. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So um, glad glad you, there there was some damage done. There were there were some injuries. Don't certainly don't want to minimize those by any means. Um, but it, it, there was one point yesterday, Mark, where you know about probably about four thirty, five o'clock yesterday afternoon i was like this is going to be really 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 bad the way yes that it, it was, looks like it was headed uh, in the wrong yeah. direction yep. uh, but there are uh, you know we've got a few showers moving into the city right now uh, they're Let's very go. very very light but of they course are they are they're uh, they're moving of in course. Uh, well i know yesterday you we were on, we were on a text thread talking about the potential of some rain coming in and i pulled out my radar and it was like the tiniest little thing Ooh. Actually, this looks, Mark, have you looked at radar? Yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now. Uh, this is kind of this train thing south to north. I mean, I'm not going to let myself get expected because I'm sure it's going to melt into nothing as, <laughs> yeah. as soon as it gets to Lincoln. But, like, there is a trajectory on this thing, the way the radar looks, where this could be rain the rest of the day if it hits us right. Ye- I should never say that because <laughs> that's, like, impossible. But the radar looks like... It, it's just such a long stretch of kind of a, uh, a southwest moving to the northeast, like mainly south-north, that goes all the way down into Texas, through Kansas, yep. Oklahoma, into Texas. Basically, it's showing rain from right downtown Lincoln to Midland, Texas. Let's go. Let's go. Train it all the way through here. Let's get soaked. That'll be fun. Number four. Runners in the Lincoln uh, Havsey battled record heat and wind to complete the Havsey. Jack, you and Caleb, uh, you were on the course, uh, cheer stations for a couple of our stations. Yeah, we were. We were. Um, boy, I was, I was Caleb, I don't know where, where you were exactly, but I was just over there by Holmes Lake. And so this was like three, four miles, still at the very beginning of the of the race. And there were a bunch of people who were already sweating a whole lot <laughs> at 8.30 in the morning on one of the last days of October, and I fell for them. I was right by the entrance that you come into the those softball fields. All right, so you were just a little bit past I was me. just a little bit past you. Probably just, another mile or two yeah, past Yeah, just me. past the, the mile marker four for the race. But, yeah, people were in good spirits coming by, blasting some music, and then that wind really started to pick up, so I started oh, to... man. I wasn't clapping as much as the race went on because I'm literally holding our tent down. Yeah. Um... But people were in good spirits. I was getting high fives, fist bumps, people coming by, happy that we're out there. We're cheering them on. And hopefully, uh, hoping to run as much to the north as possible and not to the south. Get that tailwind behind them. I did feel bad for the person that came by and asked if I was a water table, and I said, nah, just beats. Just beats. Just uh, just me. Sorry. I was. I brought, that's, that's up around the corner. You were playing. Uh, you were playing our sister station, Red ninety four five. I had put together my carefully curated playlist of eighties uh, workout montage movie workout montage songs. Uh, but my big Bluetooth speaker wasn't working, so I had to use my smaller one. And <laughs> I don't know if everybody heard it, so I was very. I was very. Dis- I sang along with it to aid it, but. My daughter came out there and helped me too. So shout out to Nora for being I had out there um, yesterday. 
Normally the system I use has two speakers. One of those is broke, so I was using one speaker as well. Did get to the part where it was some black eyed peas and we're to the portion of the race where there's a lot more people walking. Mm-hmm. And the beat keeps running, running, and running. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, they're walking. <laughs> They're well, definitely walking I, I am. I also do know that just you know, when you have that kind of heat and and those sorts of things, it took its toll on on a lot of the runners. And, and the, they in that wind, like and the wind. once that was picking up, if you right. had to go into that at all, and you caught a little gust. But I think the first responders that are were tabbed to help uh, for for the race and and in the area were as. Um, were as overtaxed as they could have possibly been. How about just first responders in general yesterday for the entire day, frankly? You need to have a little discussion about yesterday's Good Life Havesy with uh, your guest in the next half hour. Yeah, we saw Tim Ruza running yeah. it. I did yeah. see, uh, saw a ton of people I talk, knew. Talk about someone who was sweating. Right. Jeez. <laughs> I uh well, yeah. it, election season, it made know? me feel like a real lazy bum watching all these people <laughs> I know watch running that thing. Number three. One of the greatest setters in Nebraska volleyball history now stands alone. On her tenth assist of the night, uh, Nicklin Hames broke the school record for career assists with twenty for the match and putting her at forty eight hundred thirty-five. Those helped the number three Nebraska Huskers sweep Illinois 25-14, 25-16, 25-22. 11th win in a row for the Big Red, 6th straight sweep. You know, it, 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 it's interesting because Hames is not, you know, going to be getting the, you know, sort of the Heisman of volleyball type recognition, you know, that necessarily. But her longevity combined with her success, combined with her likability, combined with this year when she's jumped back into that setter spot which we didn't think we were going to see her in at all the rest of the year. We thought it was kind of over, and she was going to be this. I mean, sometimes when you heard people either covering or associated with the program talk about it, it sort of sounded like, well, she'll play some defense, and it's almost like she's going to be like a ceremonial player or something. Like, right. I almost got that feel about it sometime, and, and, and maybe that's my own interpretation of it. But when I heard those things, I was like, I don't know. I feel like she probably, you know... I think she kind of knows how to win. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe keeping her on the floor as much as possible, even if it's at setter, isn't a bad idea for this year. And lo and behold, look what's happened. Her consistency of leadership is going to be her legacy. And yes, um, I'm wondering if there are going to be with any of these extra year players, asterisks or footnotes on when they do break career type records. Yeah, but still. Nicklin had to be in that position after four years to even be close to that. But it's her leadership that's a bigger deal than any of the statistical records. Because as soon as you saw her come back from her injury, even though the team had still been winning, it's a different team with Nicklin Hames on the floor. What she's able to do out there at all times, whether it is at center or if she was in at times as a defensive specialist early on in the season, what Nicklin Hames brings to a team is so much more than what she does statistically. The big, I mean, if they can win a title this year, that'll, be, I'll be the most happy for her being able to, to wrap getting that thing with as close as they've gotten, mm-hmm. um, a couple of times during during her career and didn't end up getting it there to wrap the whole thing with one would be, would be awesome. And you know, I don't mean to bury the lead, but this team right now, holy cow! I mean. Caleb, they're just destroying teams. It's, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a little out of control what they're doing. Uh, 
I only saw, I didn't get to watch as closely on Saturday as I'd like to, but I got the full report from my daughter and my wife, and it sounds like those first two sets were ridiculous. Yeah, and I, I talked with John Cook last Thursday, and we talked about how Nicklin Haynes coming back from injury is actually easier because of the offense they're running right now. Because you only have to play, for Nicklin, she plays three and a half rotations. Um, she stays in while while one of for one of the serves in the back row, so she she's in the front row for half a rotation. Um, but if they were running a five one, this would be much more strenuous on her body coming back from an injury, as opposed to playing the six two, where she only has to be out there about half of the time. So that offense is helping out the team. One, you get more players on the floor. You get it spread the ball around to more of your hitters. More people are happy because of that. And your now all-time assist leader only has to play about half the time and can come back sooner from an injury as opposed to if they were running a true 5-1 that, that you would traditionally have. Now on Wednesday, big match coming up. Currently number 5, Wisconsin. We'll see if that shakes up in the rankings that come out later today. But the, did you see yesterday? Michigan gave them a little bit of a tussle. Well... A little. Yeah, but that, that's going to happen in the Big Ten. They're, yeah, I'm just, except in Nebraska. Yeah, except in Nebraska. Yeah, it apparently. doesn't happen in Nebraska. I don't I, We'll see. We'll see what Wisconsin can do. Uh, At, that'll be a fun match. 8 o'clock, pump some coffee. Yes. Start, I would start drinking it this afternoon for uh, Wednesday night. <laughs> start alternating that coffee I'm, and code red. I'm 100% now. staying up for that one, but I got, I'm going to hammer the coffee. I'm going to get Luke. Uh, Probably to the point that I won't be able to sleep that night. But and you can hear it here on KLIM. Uh, oh, and, and real quick, funny story about Nicklin Hames. If you if in, if you haven't listened to my podcast with her that I did for the Jack Mitchell podcast, you will really enjoy it. I think if you're at all a super Nebraska ball fan or even a casual Nebraska uh, volleyball fan, uh, she's so fascinating. But the funniest thing is she, she talked about how she at least the time that we recorded it, she was dating a football player. Um. Um, and a football player who gets some some playing time, but but not a ton. And uh, she was she was joking about how the fact they'll go anywhere, they'll go out to Target, they'll go anywhere in the city, and everyone will recognize her, and no one will recognize <laughs> the boyfriend football player. And so he always becomes the photographer. <laughs> <laughs> Can you take a picture with me and Nicklet? Can this guy take a picture with me and Nicklet? Yeah, and he's like, I'm I'm. Play football. Potential suitors out there, there are worse roles than Nicklin Hames' boyfriend photographer. That's true. All right? That's probably true. Yes. Count your lucky stars. Hey, number Somebody's got to do it. Them, yeah. Them's the breaks. Them's, them's the, breaks. the breaks. Lincoln East football standout Malachi Coleman made it official Saturday. His college choice, Nebraska. Despite offers from several perennial top teams, Coleman chose the Huskers in his relationship with Mickey Joseph. For schools like Oklahoma, Oregon, Ole Miss, uh, others Several as others. well. He kind of faked everybody. He juked everybody out when he grabbed, acted like he was grabbing one of the hats and didn't grab it. That's the cool thing to do now. This this has been fascinating in my sort of growing up as a Husker football fan and somebody who's watched it. It's you know there were the there were the years when you're in college and you're sort of the same age as as the Husker football players and then you get older. Now uh, you've got the recruits for Husker football being. A kid, him specifically, a, a kid that has been a teammate of my own sons, and I've watched <laughs> play youth sports and all of those things, and um, and so I, I, I think a ton of him and his family, and so no matter what the decision was going to be for me, um, like 
I was gonna be I was gonna be really excited to see it. Yeah. I'm a little extra excited. Okay, I'm a lot extra excited <laughs> that it is here. Here's the interesting thing to me, though. Um, By the way, number ranked as the number five athlete of the nation. Yeah, number one. I still it'll be interesting. I, I, I gotta think he's gonna play a wide receiver, but I haven't talked to him for a while. I talked. I did another one of my podcasts. I talked to him this summer. Still didn't quite know what position he would end up at, but. Here's the, the incredible interesting thing to me, other than just the cool story of the whole thing and the ability of my old high school Lincoln East, who frankly hasn't performed lately. My time, my time there kind of beat down their football program, and to see them have a big-time ceremony like that there was really cool. Um, but all of that aside, he the way that he talked after that thing, Caleb, about Mickey Joseph and about how he would this doesn't happen without Mickey Joseph... Like, if you read between the lines there, it sounds like he thinks Mickey is sticking around. So are you taking that as Mickey Joseph head coach or Mickey Joseph retained by new head coach and back to coaching wide receiver? His level of confidence in it sounded more like number one to me. Okay. that's uh, This is me reading between the lines, but with, with it, and I haven't. I'm talking. Right. This is not inside information. This is simply going from what he said. But he was very clear about this was about his relationship with Mickey, yeah. and um, and probably when he talked to me, it wasn't going to be Nebraska. When he talked to me on my podcast, um, but now it, with Mickey. But but again, you don't make that commitment unless you're unless you're pretty sure he's going to be there. If that's the reason you commit, right? Well, think about the number of transfers that were, especially those wide receivers like Trey Palmer. That were, this is because Mickey Joseph is at Nebraska. This is not because anyone else is there, not because of who the head coach or quarterback is. It's because I'm, of Mickey Joseph. I'm just going to tell you, Caleb, I think it's getting closer. Uh, I'm just reading, Mickey tea, Mania? reading tea leaves. And man, if something, if it would happen this weekend, if Nebraska would do it this weekend, things are going to ramp up quickly. Are you saying, it. are you jumping off of the lane train? And becoming I'm, a Mickey maniac. I, I, I am. I'm not. This is not me personally. This is me reading okay. what I think is happening in the background. Okay, that's what this is. Number one. So, guys, where do you stand on the bitter battle over butterboards? <laughs> I didn't a, know there was one. Okay, TikTok has ruined charcuterie. Is what, why? Well, okay, happened. what is this? Well, people on TikTok uh, have shown off their butterboards as an op, uh, option to or a replacement for charcuterie. Instead of uh, meat and cheese, the boards are slathered with butter and other spreads. Uh, foods are then dragged through before you eat it. One critic calls it a bacteria haven. Oh, other right, haters hope economics down. will snuff out the fledgling trend. Because there's a bit of a butter shortage. Please, okay. Well, please we're not critiquing t- people for putting butter on their toast. So why would you? I mean, yeah, but no this dip. is a, you know a dip in, and then it, it's a communal board of butters and jams and spreads, and just don't double dip. What's the issue? Do we not do this with salsa and queso and guacamole every every weekend? Okay, at football uh, parties. Are you putting twelve different salsas all in one thing? Does that matter? As long as you're not double dipping. This sounds delicious. I love butter. I'd be very interested in this. What's the critique? I'm not understanding the critique. You, you seem like you're critiquing Charcuterie snobs don't like it. Why? Well, I'm, it's not even like, being a charcuterie snob. It's just it doesn't look appetizing at all. Uh, listen, I don't... Like if, if I want to put butter on something, I'm just going to go put butter on it. It doesn't need to yeah, be... Yeah, but like a sampler? 
Uh, like when I go over to a venue's bar, sometimes uh, it, you'll give them, they'll bring out bread like before yep. your meal, and they'll give you three different types of butters. Yep. They're amazing. They I get, are. I get really fired up when they bring those things out. The honey butter. Oh, and, God. And, there's and, a, or one's just like oil. Yeah. Is, if, if this is something like that, count me in. Count so, me so, so way just pile in. all of those on a cutting board and put it in the middle of your table and let everyone yep. reach and drag across it. I'm with Jack on this. As, as long as you're not double dipping, I don't get the issue. Okay, you, because you have to keep putting that qualifier, as long as you don't double dip. But that happens with any sort of dip situation. Are, are you against guacamole now? I don't get it. I've never been for guacamole, okay, so that's a terrible... get get the crap out of this studio. <laughs> All right, that's it from the morning drive. Caleb just don't, and I are just don't ask me to break out my Betty Bobber. It's just a wildly inconsistent thing. Nobody feels this way about salsa. All right, uh, you're Very listening different. to the uh, morning drive brought mm-hmm. to you by Stonebridge Insurance. Stay away from my salsa. And wealth management. Same thing. <laughs> 756 on KLIN. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. But first, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, time for another keyword so you can make a pick. Your pick this week is asking how many rushing yards Illinois. Why can't I think of? I said Notre Dame earlier. I almost said Indiana there. Illinois uh, puts up against Nebraska. Net rushing yardage, uh, by the way, there at this year per game, 198.9. That's a pretty good number. And Nebraska's giving up 190.4. All right, so... Apparently, the decision's already made for you, pretty much. Uh, but anyway, you got to get, still get the pick to win it. And uh, you got to text us the keyword to do that at 402 479 1400, which is the Rickstein Recognition Text Line. Keyword for pick number two Bielema. Oh, B I E L E M A. Got it. All right. Little Bert. Bert Bielema. Uh, Bielema. Maybe the next head coach at Iowa. Let's see. He's got a Hawkeye tattoo. A lot of people don't know that. Sure, he can get a uh, competent quarterback or two. (laughs) I think they're going to be ready to move on to whatever (laughs) is next very soon in Iowa, especially if especially if that scenario comes up where, which is very possible, Nebraska and Iowa both at five wins on Black Friday. Winner goes to a bowl game. Loser goes home. Get Ferentz fired. It'd be oh boy. Oof. Uh, a lot to happen. A lot to happen yet. I can't get ahead of myself here at this point, especially. So there it is. Uh, text in Bielamont, and uh, we might select you as the second picker, and we'll text you back if you do that, and then you can guess how many yards Illinois puts up on the ground against Nebraska. Hopefully very few, but we'll see. They do a good job running the ball. I mean, I know it was only a couple of paragraphs, but if we get to a bowl game, does Scott still get his bonus? Does he get no, his race? I, I already asked that. <laughs> There's nothing in there about termination prior to the end of the season, right? I don't know. You get your hands on that contract, and you probably could tell us better than anyone. That was some interesting. It's two paragraphs. By the Uh, way, they dropped that on Friday afternoon. I actually never did. Was there anything interesting in it? They they released it. Not really. Uh, There's a second paragraph, right? So I think Trev discussed the part about the six wins thing. The second paragraph is all about you can't fire him for NCAA investigation stuff. 
current investigations. Ongoing, if, yeah, present. Yeah, if there was stuff a, that's a, already occurred. If there was a change or if there was a new one, then that would I be think, part I think, of it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's either Frost or his folks trying to cover their back so that yes. if things do go south this year, he gets his six wins, but they decide, hey, we're going to fire you anyway for cause yes. since we just got slapped on the wrist for it, this. That's exactly yeah. what that is. You're so exactly I, right. I don't make as much out of that. I know there was some like uh, Twitter discussion over you know Trev withholding that second piece. Uh, no, they're just per- but that's just like, I mean, that's Scott saying, look, if I get six wins, I get my bonus for the next year. I get my, my old salary back going mo- moving forward, and you can't wiggle out of this it's just by eliminating a backdoor yeah. for cause yeah, yeah, yeah. thing to, to keep him from getting paid. Yeah, yeah. So probably smart. That smart was an interesting I mean, that was a pretty big move, right? By the way. You don't see a lot of those public records things go down like that in Nebraska. Well, it was interesting because Trevor was like Scott insisted on having it in writing. I'm like, dang right he did. I mean what, what Yeah, I mean he's got five five million dollars. Like, we just prefer line. it to be a handshake verbal deal. <laughs> if I'm Scott's lawyer and he's like, This is what Trev wants to do, I am saying absolutely not. One hundred percent not. Well, you yeah. Get, we're getting that in writing and and uh we are signing that thing uh but nonetheless yeah but then it's in writing and then and then you're fighting over whether the world has to see it <laughs> right <laughs> anywho uh anywho uh is there ha- no such thing as a gentleman's agreement anymore jack can we just not shake and sure trust each other and, and, sure we have there absolutely got, the, the, the truth in each other's I'm eyes kidding. like that alliance between the pac-12 the big 10 <laughs> and the acc yeah, it's just, yeah, I hope you're both really gentlemen when you do it, because one of you is going to very much be able to screw the other, perhaps, or at least make it very difficult to prove anything uh, in court about whatever contract that you've got together agreed upon verbally. Prove it. People tell the truth in court, Jack, all the time. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, happy Monday. Uh, hey, I had my first uh, beer ever at a Pinnacle Bank Arena uh, Nebraska basketball game yesterday. Yeah. I didn't even really want it, but... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even want a beer, but I did. I, I bought one. I felt like I was. I was like. I felt like I needed to, the first day. I felt at your obligated. age. Did you just get peer pressured into having a beverage? That was by myself. I just you wanted, peer pressured yourself. I that's wanted. A, that's to, an historic moment. I wanted to be able to talk yeah. about it. I want. I did it for this segment right now, so I'd be able to talk about it and say it was eight dollars. Okay, it was I eight. had fourteen of them. No, I don't remember just, the second half. No one did. <laughs> Literally, no one did that. Um, but took my shirt off every time Juwan Gary dumped it. <laughs> uh, An hour and a half of basketball, I and I drank fourteen beers. Top <laughs> top athletic events to get completely in a, a booze fueled frenzy. Nebraska versus Shattern State on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon in a one third full full arena is not on the. You mean list. the rivalry against the Eagles to the West is not. Was not getting you going. Uh, uh, does, uh, here's the question: When Creighton comes in, is is it is there a lot more? I mean, we go to Creighton this year, by the way. Oh, so. so we have That's a whole true. year, another to prep. year before that, yeah. before it matters. No, that we might gotta get used to it. See, that might be a little <laughs> bit. Gotta, of, <laughs> we have to build our tolerance for Creighton, uh, Tim. If that's like a 6 p.m. start or something like that, 7 p.m. That's a little bit of a different situation. Here's the question: Was it weird or was it just totally normal? It was weird. It was weird. Um, so you, you, you can either go. I suppose people have been to a concert. Like, yeah, we I was just say, I, this ain't the first time but that they've served alcohol you, you, in that building. So it was, eight, it was eight bucks to go if you just went to one of the concession stands and they, you get a draft for a sixteen ounce draft or eight or the twenty four ounce, which was 
uh, I think 11 or 12. I can't remember. But it's all like macro brew, light beers. Uh, I saw the Coors Light, yeah. Light. Except they had one Zipline product, yep. the dear old Nebraska U one. And then they had one other mango something or other, which I don't want a beer that has mango in it. So <laughs> I didn't even consider that one. But apparently, you can also. So that was $8. Funny thing is, the most expensive pop, the souvenir cup pop, is seven fifty. So. Yeah, but you get a souvenir cup. And I so, think you get one refill on that. There you go. You do not get that on the beer. No refill. Uh, or beer. you could have gone to the areas that just have, they sell cans, and those are $9. So it's actually more. Just beer, know. and there was wine, right? There was wine. No liquor. I did not see a single person. <laughs> no one, no I, one I carrying around a stem of, of wine. red wine. And I think there might have been mixed drinks at the one, at, not at where I was. I think just the concession stand, it was just beer. But I think there might have been mixed drinks at the like the can kiosk areas. Well, so. it will be interesting to see the tax revenue from that. I mean, gambling's already touting the numbers That's they're a bringing good thing in. To talk about. Uh, there's a piece in the paper last week. Now we got revenue sales sales tax from booze at the arena going to the city. We're just going to be rolling in dough so here with all these income all tax, these sin taxes, Jack. A year from now, no income tax, no property tax. It'll just I would go assume. away. Yeah, I'll bring those property taxes down. Keep all the young people here because that's the only reason they've ever moved away. I am I am very hopeful that gambling wipes property taxes off the board, but um no, I don't know if that's at all true. Is that number? How about that number though? Quarter of a million after a week? That's what they announced. Um it doesn't necessarily surprise me. What surprises me most? I mean, I think people were I think people are doing what you did, right? I don't want a beer, but I'm going to get it. I don't want to play slot machines, but hey, it's legal. Let's go try right. this. I need to do that now. <laughs> uh, it's something to do on a on a bye weekend now. Um I what I'm more interested in is seeing sort of how the gambling develops, right? So they got rules for sports betting last week that were okayed. Uh, that'll kick in, what, maybe next spring, I guess it sounds like. So it's, not, it's unclear how long that's going to take. They're taking about as long as they did for Medicaid expansion right. to get that knocked and then, down. And then you, we have yet to see what I would consider a real casino, right? So I haven't been out there. I've, I haven't either. I should probably go look at it before I say that. But I think it's the kind of a temporary location, kind of a step up before they build out the real hey space that they let's go have lunch someday but instead of using our lunch money let's go hit the slots what do you say i actually that's a really good let's do it let's, <laughs> let's do some research <laughs> we're here to do let's our own go, research but no uh, you're just gonna bring a peanut, i'm free today just bring a peanut butter sandwich for lunch from home <laughs> pb and, and j i'm sure a, you go out on bag. lots of fancy well your, your employer probably picks those up normally they probably won't pick up the slots but it'd be nice if they did <laughs> <laughs> Man, I I can't imagine. I just this is weird because I didn't have ever like even pictured gambling over my noon hour. <laughs> it's probably a good thing that you have. I, I mean, in all honesty, uh, I have I, you know I haven't <laughs> got an hour for lunch. Let's go eat some chicken strips and pull some slots. <laughs> uh, oh man! Uh, all right, so yeah, what uh. <laughs> By the way, how did the half marathon go yesterday? Did you make it? Uh, yeah, I heard you guys. I heard you guys talking about me. Uh, saw both of you. Uh, thanks for coming out and cheering on. It was hot. It was. <clears throat> I I had a goal that I did not meet, and that, that which you know that's yeah, kind of sad. Weather conditions. I was on I was on track through about nine miles, and then. It just got slower and slower. <laughs> There's a spot. I was, I was telling you guys in the break, and you know, I know after the fact, like 
the the tweets and stuff about um, first responders and kind of the overwhelming calls at one point there's maybe like 13 pending med calls Jeez. as a result of the half marathon and there's like a, there was like a list of the picture on twitter yesterday morning um that last three and a half four miles like you get and i don't know if you know the havesy course but it goes down the the trail antelope part or antelope valley whatever that's that is called right toward the university and then you you kind of wrap around devaney out to the old state fairgrounds area um that is that spot is wide open exposed the wind was from the the south so it's it was kind of across you because you're going out and then you turn around real quick and come back so it's a crosswind it was hot that was it was so hot there and i know if, if you don't run regularly, like you think, oh, 60 degrees is, is pretty comfortable. That is, that's really comfortable for the first three miles, right? I, yeah. I gave Jack a big old high five and I was, <laughs> I was ahead of my pace and I was going, I, you know, get, pointed at Caleb from across the road. Um, and, and that's fine until your body gets like, uh, your body gets warmed up and then you just, it is, you know, once it gets to that 66, 70, it's like creeping up in temperature and you're moving for that long of a period of time, it gets real hot. So yeah. um, I I saw a couple of ambulances on the course. There were people down um, after that Devaney stretch, those last couple of miles. Um, it's it's hot. It's hot. When your heart rate, your heart rate gets up because you're trying to cool your body down, uh, it can get away from you real yeah. fast. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully it rough day for okay. a race, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Well, when you sign up for that, you're not really thinking a uh, record high 87 degree day. Right? So like, the, <laughs> like I don't sign I up for a race on October 23rd. I didn't even really realize that it was in October, right? It's usually the first week. I think next year it's like November 3rd or November 5th. Right. It's usually that first Sunday in November. Um, and it's a lot cooler, right? Like there's, there's years where I've worn sweatpants at start, like until you, till you start running or whatever because it's so cold it's 30 degrees at start or 35 yeah. degrees um to have it be 60 some and creeping up to 80 yesterday yeah. yesterday was nasty too that afternoon was nasty uh with two weeks left uh two weeks and change left until the elections we've had our run of the uh the county attorney race being the uh most exciting race we've had our run of uh regents race being the most exciting uh, we've had some little bites of the legislature being our most excited. Who's left? Where are we going? What's what's your prediction the next two weeks? What's the what's the hot race that they're talking about in the co-ops and the coffee shops? Honestly, I don't know that the needle has moved in terms of discussion around what people expect. I think there's still some there's still some discussion around some like hits and stuff that are yet to come. Right, the Ooh. October surprise or whatever they call them. I don't know. Um, there, there's a couple are they that I've heard find of. Another I'd... picture of Morfeld with an engineer train engineer hat on. <laughs> Is that the October surprise? Isn't that great? That's in every one of the TV commercials so far. <laughs> so curious about why he had that on. No, it makes you. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Should ask him what the story is there. Uh, makes you, I mean, makes you really think twice about social media and like yeah. whether or not you have pictures up ever. Right? The we talked about the George Dungan situation and like the, the shirtless guy. Oh god, um, that's not even him. You got the the Morfeld choo choo train ads. Bad, you could make some bad campaign ads uh, against me. Uh, me looking goofy and oh man, I'm sure I have some terrible pictures, <laughs> like some just absolutely gross <laughs> from ten years ago when social media was a very different place to be, right? Um, but yeah, I I don't know where things are gonna go. At it, it's hard to know. There'll be a ton of spending here, kind of at the at the last second. I think unless you're, I think they're doing a pretty good job of targeting stuff. Like I don't think you and I are gonna see some of the some of the the off 
off brand or the off oh, the base stuff. Everyone's um, given up on my vote. I did Every see party, I, I did see an interesting mailer yesterday in a race um, in Omaha. Uh, it's actually Michaela Kavanaugh versus Christian Merch, and and you know the Kavanaugh name, right? The former congressman. They have two two state senators, brother and sister, and uh, Michaela and John Kavanaugh that are in the legislature. Uh, Merch, there's a mailer for Merch. I don't know if it was from him, his campaign or what, but it said you know endorsed by Kavanaugh's, and then there's two two men on there with their pictures they're not related to the kavanaugh's like it's just two other guys just named kavanaugh. kavanaugh yeah uh, so that i mean that's an interesting one um kind of kind of called to mind the old uh city council race flyer with the you know i'll work alongside mayor beitler you remember that yes trip fellers uh that's city right council race that's right that that got a whole stir it's very different when that gets front page paper and now what we see happening today that barely gets covered uh, so. all right well yeah two weeks from tomorrow and uh, i think we've just made we've just uh put together an agreement here uh, during the break to sign tim Aruza to our election coverage again so oh uh, yeah i'll be well, here on just a verbal night. agreement yeah. i'd like this to be not written please. maybe we'll spend the noon hour at the casino before we <laughs> before we co- come in and yeah. cover the elections <laughs> i'm inviting myself <laughs> All right, bring peanut butter and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch that day. We're using our we're using our ten dollars in lunch money at the casino. Just no uh, no peanut butter on the video touch screen. That's gonna last me like that's gonna last me like forty five seconds. Well, ready to leave. <laughs> Just helped out the tax funds. All right, thank you, Tim. I appreciate it. Eight fun, guys. Twenty six. It's LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. He's a five-time Nebraska Sports Writer of the Year. He asks the tough questions. But most importantly, he occasionally retweets Jack Mitchell. It's the Omaha World Herald's Dirk Chatelain. All right, 836 LNK today with Jack and friends. Quick note from Chris Lofkin. Time saver traffic accident at 70th and Adams in the cleanup stages. Watch for slowdowns. And uh, we say hello to the Omaha World Herald's own Dirk Chatlin, who joins us right now. Good morning, Dirk. How are you doing? Jack, we were all set up for you. We were right there in the cafeteria at Gretna High School. Oh, boy. Uh, welcoming you this morning. Uh, as payment for Lincoln East, <laughs> humiliating, humiliating defeat wow. to the Dragons on Friday night. Uh, you were supposed to show up as payment for. for oh, I was. Uh, yeah, you didn't get the memo on that. No, I didn't. Uh, what was it? What were we were gonna do? To, what was I gonna do? I did. I missed. You this. were gonna do your entire show from the Gretna cafeteria <laughs> this morning. Uh, that would have been good. And you did not show. Kids were disappointed. I bet. Gretna love Gretna High School students love this show. Now here's here's the good news. Yes, next week Lincoln Southeast plays Gretna mm. uh, Friday night first round mm. playoff, and mm. we uh, we will we will welcome you with open arms next Monday. Uh, should the Knights go down in humiliating defeat uh, as the Spartans did. What is this, Notre Dame USC? <laughs> How's that? Where you're just cheering for nobody to win? I, well, I, you know, I, East is the alma mater. I don't know that I, I mean, I, you know, don't get me wrong, I hope Southeast wins, but that's a little bit of a different basis than than the East thing. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm willing willing to go that far with that whole thing. And keep in mind, I think all of this was voided. Uh, I think 
I put a clause in there that if East starting quarterback gets hurt, then everything changes, and I think we had that. So uh, I think of, that of probably that was the difference. Maker. Probably totally, totally jinxes everything. Hey, listen, Dirk, I, I'm not sure. Did Gretna? Did I miss it? Did Gretna have a ceremony in their auditorium uh, this weekend uh, with with scads of people and media there? Uh, yeah. A commitment ceremony. I might have missed that. You can celebrate individuals or you can celebrate teams. And in this community, we celebrate teams. So uh, I'm excited about I'm excited about Malachi Coleman. Uh, but but here in Sarpy County, it's about the name on the front of the jersey, not the name on the back. Right. And, and, and making sure the World Herald gets all those individuals named on their all-state team, even if they're a better quarterbacks. Yeah, I get it. Um, uh, by the way, since we're talking about that, Man, Malachi had some interesting comments just about how committed he was to Mickey Joseph and how how much Mickey Joseph impacted the whole thing and all of these things. I I and I don't uh, you know I don't necessarily expect you or even me to I would probably be the one who would have it, but have any additional insight on this. But like, if you're a recruiter and you're saying all these things about this guy who's an interim, don't you sort of have to have some pretty good feeling that he's going to be there in some form next year to make that commitment and say those things afterwards? Well, the answer, uh, honestly, I, I don't think the answer is yes, because if uh, I don't think anybody knows at this point, certainly not an 18-year-old kid at Lincoln East High School. Uh, so uh, I think the hope is that Mickey's there. And, uh, you know, I think that this is, uh, you know, adds more evidence that, that he would be an excellent fit, whether he's the head coach next year or not. Uh, but to me, it was, uh, it was more proof. And this, you know, this is from Trey Palmer to, uh, to Casey Thompson, uh, to the recruiting trail. You know, I think we've forgotten a little bit about the, the enormous value of, of a great recruiter. Uh, you know, we sort of, I, I think the, the ACE recruiter, you know, tag sort of got, sort of got stigmatized after, uh, after the Callahan era and after the Riley era. Uh, you know, Nebraska didn't do, do a good job of developing talent during those during those years, and I think some of us, uh, me included, rolled our eyes a little bit at the idea that that a single assistant coach can have an can have such an enormous impact on a program. Uh, but Mickey Joseph is is reminding a lot of us, again, me included, that uh, that that position on a staff is very very valuable, and uh, Nebraska needs to find you know, needs to find those guys, whether it's Mickey Joseph or whether it's somebody else next year. Uh, but you, you got to have somebody who can, who can sort of make an indelible imprint on an 18 year old kid and convince him to come to Lincoln when in the midst of, you know, the worst decade in 60 years. I, I don't know. There, there, this may be completely unrelated to what you're saying, or it could be very related to what you're saying, but I was doing, I was doing TV, uh, for the game at Seacrest, uh, when, when East played Northeast and, and Mickey and Applewhite showed up there, um, which is, you know, somewhat rare at a Seacrest game, see a Nebraska head football coach there. But it wasn't just that he was there. Like when he came in, like he was walking around, he wasn't sitting somewhere like ubiquitous in the stand or, or, or very, not ubiquitous, just, uh, not, not where he couldn't be seen in the stands or anything like that. He was walking around the sideline in front of the students, right? Giving them high fives, having pictures taken and those sorts of things. That's, that is, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but it's different. It's a different recruiting style than we've seen here at Nebraska. Like ever. It's like it's like Tim Miles, isn't it? I mean, I, yeah, that's uh, a better. That's the best. That's actually a good comparison. Yeah, it's uh, it's maybe not quite as 
I don't know. It, it, I'm not sure how to contrast them, but the, the bigger contrast is obviously, uh, you know, Joseph compared to to most of the head coaches Anyone. that we've seen here yeah. uh, over the last 20 years. And, and I think, you know, Mike Riley would probably be uh, an exception to that rule. I think he was pretty, pretty comfortable glad handing. Um, mm-hmm. But, but there is a little bit more of an everyman quality to Mickey Joseph, I think, uh, than pretty much anybody we've seen here. And, and that goes, you know, that probably speaks a little bit to his, to the freshness, uh, the novelty of his position. You know, he's not spent a lot of time in the spotlight. Uh, I think it's, you know, people just, they tend to gravitate toward, you know, the underdog a little bit. And I think Mickey's a, you know, he's a, he's a compelling underdog figure. Uh, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't spent spent a bunch of time uh, under the microscope and, and he's worked his way up through some really, really hard jobs over the years. Uh, so I think there's a lot of things working on his behalf. Uh, the, the big question there is, you know, two years down the road, would he still feel the same way about those public appearances? And would he get yeah, sick true. of it? You know, and would that was he, legitimately the first week after he got hired. Yeah, so, yeah. Would, would he retire? Would he uh, would would he first of all, stay home? And second of all, uh, you know, retire to to row 47 surrounded by 16 Nebraska support staffers. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but I do think Jack, that you make an excellent point, which is uh, it's, it's time for Nebraska's head coach uh, to, to embrace the spotlight uh, a little bit more than, than past coaches. Have. Yes. Um, and, 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 you know, the thing, and it sounds so cliche, it almost sounds like a political slogan. And I'm sorry. I don't know how else to say it. But you have to look at the at, at the fan base of this program, which is clearly what makes Nebraska distinct. It's clearly Nebraska's only real advantage anymore. You have to look at that as an asset and not an impediment. Um, you have to look at it as something that uh, that oh, God, that you yeah. draw strength from, as opposed to something that that gets in your way and annoys you and you know, oh, geez, there's 17 former players at practice today, and how am I going to talk to them all? And, you know, I can't take my wife out to dinner. And, you know, there's there's countless examples of, of why it would be an impediment, and I get that. But the next head coach has to take a glass-half-full approach to all of that attention. Which it should be, um, by the way. I, mean, I, thought, uh, I thought Scott Frost would do that. Yeah, I did, too. I thought he would do I it, did too. And, and he did not. He, he did not. Not uh, at all. He he was clearly, um, you know, I don't I don't want to say annoyed by it, but he just he didn't. I don't think he saw it as an asset. I think he saw it, you know, as um, you know, there was a certain. It, it was just a nuisance, right? Yeah. And, and I think uh, Nebraska's got to be a little bit more forward thinking on that. Again, I think Mike Riley did a pretty good job of that. I mean, he had other weaknesses that eventually did him in right uh but that that's that's going to be a tough tough task for the next head coach is how do i use our one big advantage how do i use that as a strength and not a weakness Uh, and i'll i'll still go back to this it's interesting and it's just going to sound self-serving but it kind of correlates with the type of coaches that you're talking about um you know we're the we are the hometown affiliate for nebraska football um and i i did not once have an interview on my show with uh, Scott Frost or Bo Pulini. Uh, right. Every time asked, it was a no. I bet I got seven with Mike Riley. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's interesting. So, so Jack, here's, here's what's happening on your, in your, uh, you know, your listener audience right now. 
uh, people are hearing you and I talk about this, and they're rolling their eyes. Yeah. And saying, well, these media guys—they're just Agreed. all they want they is want. A- all they want is access. The only reason they didn't like Scott Frost's bow pointy is because they wouldn't talk to him. And uh, you know, I don't like the media, and <laughs> I would prefer a head coach who's more focused on game planning than talking to Jack Mitchell. But the point that, that I think those people who are thinking that way instinctively are missing the larger point, which is uh, to, to make Nebraska, you know, to take Nebraska back to the glory days, uh, you're going to have to find a way to, to use all of the attention as fuel, as, as a positive, as a strength to draw on, as, as a force of, of momentum, yes. uh, rather than something that, that gets in your way and sort of embitters you towards the whole operation. Um, because there's a strange dynamic right now and has been over the last decade where the, as, as bad as Nebraska is the attention, and I don't mean media attention. I mean, everybody's attention, uh, hasn't really waned. I mean, if you still go out on the town, now granted, there's not as many people who are, who are living and dying with practice, practice reports. I get that. But the, the enthusiasm um, the hoping, the praying that Nebraska turns it around, that hasn't really changed that much, even as the program has become one of the worst in Power 5 college football. Um, so th- that's a strange, um, I don't know what you call it. I mean, it's almost like an oxymoron at this point. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, the, the next head coach has to figure out a way to, to say it for the 16th time, has to find a way to use all that attention as a positive. It's good. I mean, sure. I'd be the biggest softball. In, I mean, <laughs> I'd be a softball interview. I would. Uh, I mean, I. I would have loved to have let Scott Frost, uh, it, you know, personality come out in some of these things that that we hadn't seen. Uh, you know, come on weekly, do that. I mean, all of these things, and and it wasn't thing. You know what? I want Dirk, and and I'm making my checklist for coaches. I don't want any coach that's going to act like because this coach has this job, every day is the worst day of their life. <laughs> Because we've had, especially, I mean, especially as a, especially as an alum, right? Especially yeah. as someone who who knows the tradition. I don't want to ever get that feeling from this coach. No. I, I'm I'm, and I'm not saying it's an easy job, okay? But it, uh, but I'm I'm not saying I understand all the pressures, all the things that go along with it. But the the, the one thing I don't need from a coach is to act like every day is the worst day of their life, um, because of the job that they have. It's the, the I, that's worn on me over the yeah, years, I, I and I'm not just talking about to, the last one either. I don't know how to add to that, Jack. I think it's a great point. I mean, I really do. I think there you have to find a way to speak to both your locker room and your stadium, right? Uh, and and doing those things simultaneously, effectively, uh, have proven very, very difficult to do for Nebraska's head coaches. Yep. yep. Um, and, and I think it's one of the this other. is what. This is where I come back a little bit to uh, Nebraska needs to find a guy who's done this at a power five level, preferably someone who's, who's had that, who's worn that spotlight before. Right. Uh, I mean, you can go down the list now and there, you know, there hasn't really been a guy who's done it at the power five level under the spotlight, you know, since Tom Osborne. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. we can, you know, and I I hate to be this guy who says, you know, you got to try the, you gotta you gotta turn over the stone that's that's unturned uh, because they've tried you know they've tried fiery defensive coordinator and mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, you know 
friendly guy from the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah. Cutting, cutting, edge, cutting edge offensive mind, you know, former alum. You know, I mean, they've tried almost everything. But, but I do think the thing that they've missed a little bit is, you know, find someone who's done this at a under under the spotlight at a power five level. Yep, uh, I've said that to you. Yeah, yep. That's the thing. Bill, Bill, that's Bill the one thing coming, they haven't done. Yeah. That's the one Bill thing Callahan. they haven't done. Callahan uh, was coming out of the Super Bowl, but but he had never done it at a college level, right. and I think that was a that was a huge difference. Which is um, what, just in, which yeah. is why I'm fascinated with the Kiffins and the Gundys and the Whittinghams and those guys. That's why yeah, I'm, and, I'm and, you know Mark Stoops. Uh, Stoops, yeah. You know that's that's not Kentucky's not Nebraska in terms of attention, but you're doing it in the SEC. Um, I agree. I think. We, we may be overthinking some obvious candidates here, uh, some guys who have who have worn, you know, who have worn a lot of uh, experience over the years. Uh, maybe not, maybe not won championships, but are, are at least used to that kind of pressure. Uh, because I'm not sure the previous five guys were quite used to it, and have had some measure of success with standing. Of course, yeah. Um, let me ask you this. Um, we do we, we we do this. I think the ebbs and the ebbs and flows of the search has been interesting. The way somebody seemed like a really hot name of uh, three weeks ago, and they're not right now. And part of that has to do with what happens during the season, right? Iowa State isn't looking that great this year. Matt Campbell doesn't seem like such a hot name. I think we do that either consciously or subconsciously. But I think we, at least you and I, probably think that's a dumb way to evaluate a coach. Um, but on the other hand, that's kind of all Mickey Joseph has right now in terms of how he is evaluated. And and I've been saying this thing that I where I keep saying, okay, he gets six, seven wins, you've gotta you've gotta think about him. He gets fewer than that, you probably don't. In reality, that's me basically doing the same exact thing that I'm just saying is a stupid it. thing to do. So I know it. like how like how should the rest of the season even impact his candidacy if it exists? I know it. It's so it's so stupid what we do. Like just think it's Casual conversation with people, it's like, boy, if, if Mickey can get to six, you know, and then it's, we have no idea. Like, Trev <laughs> Alberts might have decided that, that that's not even a possibility anymore. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and the irony of, of the red-hot coach, you know, and the guys who are not red-hot anymore, like Campbell and Kleinman and even Leipold, is, is maybe some of that, you know, the shine coming off this season uh, and even in the last month. Maybe some of that makes them more likely to listen to Nebraska, you know, yeah. more likely to take the job. Where if they go eleven and one, hell no, I'm not leaving for Lincoln, right? Right. Um, so, so there's a lot of little ironies here, uh, but but I think it's, you know, you you mentioned it. What else do we have to base this on? Uh, the the timeline, the extended timeline, makes the situation so unusual. I mean, there's, you know, in the last twenty years of college football, how many how many coaching searches took this long? Yeah, you know, a few. You could probably you can probably count them on one hand, right? Especially in a in a place like Nebraska, where everybody cares about it so much on a daily basis. So, uh, I, I think it's you know it's probably just a way to occupy our time to sort of place these uh, to to state these standards and say you know Mickey's got to win this week, or you know Mickey's not gonna he's not gonna get the job if he doesn't get to this number of wins. Uh, but you know I do think that there is. Uh, I do think there's value from an observational standpoint and an evaluation point of view in in saying what can you make of a bad situation, mm-hmm. and this is a bad situation. And if you know if if a coach can win, uh, if he can have a winning record in the in the Big Ten West, for instance, in a year where 
where he has very few things to fall back on, uh, and he's probably going to have, um, you know, a worse talent, worse talented team than he would have, you know, if he were the permanent head coach. Uh, I think I think that gives you some hope that, you know, that he could be the the guy for the future. Uh, I, I'm I'm very interested though, Jack, in, you know, what if Nebraska just decides to kick this. Uh, you know, essentially kick the decision down the road and give it to him for for a couple of years to see if you know to see if he can turn it around. Uh, yeah, not not with the idea that you know you're going to pay him eight million bucks and give him a, a seven year contract, but but just uh, incentives. Incentives. You know, we, we, we've seen enough. We've seen yeah. enough to uh, to give you the the permanent role, um, and and let's see where it goes from here. I, that would be an interesting possibility. There it is, Dirk Challen. Unfortunately, we didn't have any time to talk about whether or not Jawan Gary and Sam Griesel's performance yesterday lofts Nebraska to the likely favorite to win the Big Ten. We should have time for that next week. Jack, I was reading your I was reading your analysis of yesterday's exhibition win over Shattered State, and and I was I was feeling this pit of sadness uh, because I, I sense so much hope from you, and uh, I, it's it's surely come on, surely not going to be. Valid I pointed all I pointed out they started out one for ten from three, but that's just. Okay. Okay. expected so. uh it's yeah it's it's you're sort of like the the los angeles lakers fans who are you know excited by russell westbrook until they watch him play so we'll see we'll see things look good yesterday thank you dirk have a good one take care dirk Bye. chatlin omaha world herald wrap up the show after this on klin you're listening to lnk today with jack and friends on 1499.3 klin all right, what are our uh, Illinois rushing yardage picks for fantasy Huskers? Wade says 195. Ooh, right on the average. Ruth, 211. All right. Your chance to uh, make some picks tomorrow. Fantasy Huskers, how many rushing yards does Illinois get against Nebraska? Your chance to win some tickets to the game on Thursday. Tomorrow, of course, is a Tuesday. Joe Jordan, John Baylor. Should be a great day. We will see you then. 9 o'clock, KLIN Lincoln. <laughs>